This is episode 69 of the Carmudgeon Show, brought to you by the Haggerty Podcast Network. <laughs> <laughs> I just was doing everything that I'm supposed to do all at once. You did it all. Everything. Uh, all at once. We just came back from Europia. Yes, where we did a... Breakdown. <laughs> just one? We did a tour a of Europe a broken down on the side of the road in yes. old cars. We opened the hood in some of the most beautiful parts of Europe. Yeah, that was your Instagram post was very funny about that. Yes. My Mercedes required servicing in some of the most beautiful places across Europe. The yes. Alps are stunningly, as it turns out, beautiful. Yes, who knew? And it rains and it suns and it's cloudy and it's foggy. And, and old cars break. And they smoke and break and do yeah. a lot. And this episode is all about that experience. So... Which we Buckle survived. up, grab your 17 millimeter. <laughs> 10, 13, 15, yes. 17, 19. Yes. And don't forget the 17 mil drain plug for the transmission. Mm-hmm. You're getting new wheels? Mm-hmm. 19s. After our discussion last week about modifying cars. 18s. And the, re- <clears throat> the reason why is because... The 2019 Dodge Grand Caravan SXT only comes with 17-inch wheels, and there are no really aggressive tires available in 17s. And not that I feel like I need to have aggressive tires, except this is our camera car. Right, and the camera so car needs to be, be able, able to corner without squealing, because you don't want to hear camera car squealing. So, um, yes, I reached out to Michelin. And they are providing the camera van with a fresh set of uh, Michelin Cup pilots. No, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think the van would just flip. Yes, um, I do know somebody who flipped their 190E Cosworth on track because they put too aggressive a tire on it. It happens. They didn't upgrade the suspension. Right. I mean, I kind of want to drive a minivan on Cup 2s, but these are all season 4s. So Pilot Sport all season 4s, which are like ludicrously grippy. Yeah, they actually quiet. are. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's more than enough. But I now have to buy 18s for it. So Craigslist, blah, blah, blah. Pacifica came with 18s. I'll find out later today whether they actually fit on this car. Uh, and then we'll have a camera car that can move around a corner. Without, uh, bless you. And you. congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you were very nicely quiet about your burp. Um, but that jerky is gross. Anyway, <laughs> now that we thoroughly disgusted the audience again. This episode nominally has a topic. It's the European rally that we did or tried to do. Where to start? (laughs) Um, Whose idea was this fuckery? That's where we start. It wasn't mine, actually. It was Leland's idea. We were traveling around Europe last year in a rented Audi all-road three-liter diesel, which I have to say (laughs) maybe is the way to do this after having this experience this year. (laughs) Um, no, so, so annually, pretty much I drive around in Europe and, uh, in various things. I did European delivery with a friend when he got an M6. I did it in the GT3 touring and then I've done it in a variety of rental cars as well, including the all road and some kind of Renault and a C-class wagon, uh, and a Giulietta diesel. And a Citroën with a three cylinder. I heard all kinds of bitches yes. about it. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was slow as shit. Um, Merde. It's as slow as Merde. <laughs> yes. Uh, Exactement. Uh, so said this year, we'll do it as a group with our usual California rally group. And uh, everybody had to get a car from a different place. You borrowed a car. I bought a car. And then uh, we had people who rented a car that as well. That sucks. All right. Yeah. 
So they rented a 220, a BMW 220i convertible automatic. Yes. My it was God. supposed to be a Z4 or a similar, and that's what they ended but up with. It's a with. similar similar thing. It's got a BMW badge on it, and it's soul-suckingly terrible. There yes. you have it. So that we were, spent a lot of the time asking them to remove their car from the scenery so that we could take <laughs> photos of the E30 you borrowed. I think I really did offend them at one point because yes. I'm like, get out of my fucking shot. Yes, you did. That's did, true. That, yeah. But that's the tax you pay for not suffering. That's through. what happens when you buy it. You rent it. I know, but they, as if they box. didn't suffer enough already through the numerous breakdowns that we endured you're, as well. You're getting ahead of ourselves. Okay, so you purchased? Yes, yeah, so this began in May with the hunt for a 190 Cosworth, uh, and the criteria were that it needed to be not Jewish racing gold, which is the color of yours, uh, and that it needed to have the plaid interior. That those, And it had, of course, to be a manual. So that was the search criteria. I found a suitable car in Italy. It had belonged. And it had to be an early 7,000 RPM car, not the... It had to not be a catalyzed low uh, RPM car, yes. And um, so found a suitable candidate in Italy, 135,000 kilometers, one prior owner. Uh, What had actually happened was that it was one of the very first cars, uh, one first Cosworths, and they bought it, and they were like, oh, we want one of these things, and we, they had to get it in Monaco, and it, it was a couple, and they bought two of them, uh, and this was the wife's car, and then the husband had one also, and then the wife died, and he sold his fairly or quickly, but the wife died, and he kept it for sentimental reasons, and it was her car, uh, and so then it, as a result of that, it sat for a long time, uh, and when we bought it, it had been rehabilitated, sort of. Uh, as we discovered later, ostensibly. ostensibly, no, a lot of stuff was done. I mean, fuel injectors were done. Fuel tank was renewed. Uh, I think the brake uh, lines were redone and just like a lot of fairly, you know, substantial maintenance that comes with a car that has been off the road for a long time. And I said, oh, there's still more stuff to do, clearly, because of the tires from t- 2014 and they're like snow tires. Uh, and so I then took it to a shop who I said, make it ready for a road trip. Um, but I think that they... We're like, oh, yes, it needs to drive from here to Zurich on the highway. It was Which kind was, of, you know, an hour. No, I mean, it, it was it's a four hour drive. But like at motorway speeds in Switzerland, where the limit is a draconian 120 kilometers an hour, that's pretty strictly enforced. Uh, and so their standards of preparation were different from mine, as we discovered, uh, because um, it stopped a lot unscheduled. Okay. Uh, but all right, for, so let's jump over to me for one second because the backstory of my car is remarkably similar. So it will surprise absolutely no one to learn that this is once again a Mercedes W201 versus a BMW E30 <laughs> type situation. And yes. it wasn't meant to be this way. No. It's just on brand for us and it happened. I was going to get <clears throat> a Porsche press car um, when Porsche's PR department was like, no, don't rent a car. We'll definitely give you one. And over the course of the two months that I was planning this, the definitely, we will definitely give you one turned into, we definitely do not have a car that you can put two or 3000 kilometers on. Um, and so I, my plan was to go rent something else. And I was talking to a guy named Srayton, who, um, is a YouTuber, runs a channel called M539 Restorations. And this channel, uh, I've been a big fan of for quite a while, started watching it because he takes old BMWs that have been sitting, uh, and initially it was all V12 stuff. And with the patience of a cardinal, he <laughs> resurrects these fucking V12s painstakingly. And he's like the most anal, he's not German, but he lives in Germany. Um, but he takes the time to clean everything. He does it all. He's fearless. And he's really funny to watch. He's you know good sense of humor. And so he said, no, 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 take one of my cars. 
And I'm like, no, really? And he's like, take any of my cars you want. And I'm thinking, he's got an E31 850i six-speed manual in Calypso Red. It's Project Marbay. And I was like, I'll take that. And he's like, well, doesn't run, not ready. Uh, But I can offer you my E39 M5. And I thought, okay. Or I can offer you my E60 M5, uh, M5, which is a US six-speed car. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, they're both too fast. And he's like, well, yeah. Unlike the Porsche press car. Unlike the Porsche press car, which would have also been too fast. But here was the other thing. But the E39, I'm like, look, I can't afford the gas. And he's like, oh, E39's not, not all that bad. It, you know, you'll probably get like 20 miles per gallon overall. The, e, the E60 is more like 10 overall. And I thought, either way, I'm like, we're going to go 2,000 2, miles, possibly. I didn't know at that point yeah. how far we were going to cover. And so I thought 2,000 miles at 10 miles per gallon. Uh, we're talking $2,000 worth of fuel. Like, mm-hmm. I, No. So then I thought, all right, he has an E30, a first year, an 83 320i. And that was a M20 straight six, two liters. They were 120 something horsepower. They were great. And they sound, make all the right noises, but... You had experience with one from the past, yeah. Yeah, my best friend in high school in Germany's mom had one. And so we terrorized all of... A later car. Uh, a later car. End of, end of the run E30, but same motor, but just with different fuel injection. Um, and rear end ratio. I, I found that out later, yeah. Yes, so, as we discovered on the road when you were like, why is this, this 83 so slow? Fucking holy shit. I've never. So, so anyway, Srayton, I'd never met before once. He was like, take it. No problem. And he, like a friggin' saint, went through everything again after having. This car was also one owner. He bought it from a guy in Belgium uh, who bought it together with his wife. The wife passed away and he couldn't sell it. And so for sentimental reasons, he left the car sitting for 10 years. Um, so same exact story, mm. basically. Straighten brought it, and unlike your f- failure to prepare anyone for anything mechanic, he went through and did everything on this car, uh, and so almost a, everything, as it turns out. <laughs> but but he really did. He went through and comprehensively resurrected this car, and he does it the right way. You guys should really watch his his channel and i think it was six videos that he did on this car where he went through um and how he and i became friends was he got stuck in the car wouldn't run at one point he, he sort of reached a dead end and he couldn't figure it out and i messaged him on instagram and i'm like hey i think i know what's wrong with your car and we started talking have since become friends and you fixed it and i fixed it from six thousand miles away i mean i point, point, pointed pointed him in the right direction it. right so uh so yeah i get off the plane and he picks me up from the airport and just is like, here, take a nap at my house because I know you're jet lagged. And um, just is the most, like the, the, the consummate, like best friend that you've just never met before. Yes. Uh, and then hands me the keys to the car and is like, treat it like your own. And I'm like, you don't really mean that, do you? Like you've seen what I do to Beatrice on these rallies. And he's like, don't bring it back until you have a video of it sliding sideways. Okay. <laughs> like, All right, it's, ow, ow, twist my arm harder. Um, so we, I left from Frankfurt. Uh, to come and meet you. Well, I was having lunch with Srayton in Frankfurt when you texted. Which time? The first time, which was the second breakdown, I think. Because you asked for help with a master cylinder. Oh, mm. that was the third time. Oh, Jesus Christ. You hadn't even made it. I mean, we're talking a matter of hours here. Okay, yeah. So the first thing that happened is we got on the Autostrada for one exit, <laughs> literally from the shop. And then we pulled in to get lunch. At the auto grill because you have to do that when you're in Italy, uh, and uh, my friend who co-owns the car with me stopped and was like, "I think the brakes are dragging," 
Uh, and I was like, yep, they definitely are dragging. And so we took off a wheel and pried the, cal- the, the caliper piston basically off the rotor. And then they stopped dragging after that. And he said, okay, that was weird. And he's like, yeah, it'll be fine. And I was like, we didn't change anything. We literally just like... But they were new calipers, right? Yeah, new calipers, new brake lines, uh, new pads. Um, I don't Shouldn't know. It's, I still was like, mm, that seems pretty sketchy. And like, we are going to need brakes because we're going over a lot of alpine passes. Uh, and then we went on the Burbemi, which is this great section of expensive autostrada, which means there's no traffic and uh, there's no speed cameras either. Uh, and so we moved a bit on there. And then pulling away from the toll gate afterwards, there's like this terrific clattering noise. Uh, and the vibration damper that goes between the gearbox and the propeller shaft um the rubber part disintegrated, so the metal outer ring that holds it all together was all that was left, and it was banging around, bouncing around on the drive shaft, hitting everything, hitting everything. Shifter, yes, yes, tunnel. shifter linkage and all that stuff. And I, that was the first time I messaged you. That was before you had left. Mm, you were still at right. home, and you were like, oh, "I did a bunch of research. It sounds like everybody just cuts them off, yeah. uh, and it's fine." So we're like, "Okay, we went to a hardware store. It's like 6 p.m. on a Sunday night in Italy, a Catholic country where everything is closed. Found a." a hardware store that was open thanks to one of my colleagues from uh ECME who lives in Milan uh and he was like I'll come rescue you guys <laughs> and take you to the hardware store to buy tools and including a hacksaw so we can cut this thing off and then we like got started on it we're like fuck this there's no way we can cut this off with a hacksaw it's just too hard it's, and it's it, Mercedes you have to cut metal it twice right? because it's circular and so you have to cut it, it was it, that thick that you couldn't Cut it with a hacksaw? Yeah. Absolutely not. Mm. It was like this would take a year. Mm. And it was like in the middle of the car and all we had was the jack from in the toolkit. Which is the Mercedes Widowmaker. I mean, those, those cars cars fall off those jacks all the time. Yes, that was very sketchy. So then the shop, the guy who owned it, to his credit, came and got us at sun, on Sunday night and towed it back to the shop and cut it off with an angle grinder at 9 p.m. on a Sunday. Wow. Uh, and then, of course, we had a hotel that we missed because we were trying to get to the, basically to the Swiss border that evening. This is after having flown all night on a red eye. So this is the first day. This, this was the first day. Holy week. shit. Yeah. Oh so <laughs> all that happened and then we ended up staying like five miles from the shop instead of like at the Swiss border because we had to tow it back. Set off the next morning and the brakes stick again in a traffic jam outside of Milan, which is all of an hour away from where we spent the night. So I was like, okay, clearly something else is wrong. And so then I have this friend in Zurich, um, Andy Wurst, who has a dealer, uh, and he has, he said, I have a great mechanic. And I said, is there any way he could take a look at the car this afternoon if we can limp it to Zurich? And he said, yeah, absolutely, no problem. Let me know when you'll be here. I said, great. So we drove all the way from, um, we had to return the rental car because it was getting close to 24 hours and the brakes are stuck on the Mercedes. We're like, oh, 24 hours are going to charge us an extra day if we don't get the car back inside of 24 hours. So uh, we drove all the way, we, we took the wheel off and unstuck the caliper again and, and um, Made it to the airport in time to return the car within 24 hours. Although Sixt still charges 300, 300 euros, and of which 150 was for fuel, even though we returned the car in the exact same state in which we picked it up, which was 7 eighths. And they specifically told us not to fill it up all the way. So anyway, I have an outstanding annoyance with Sixt for this fucking Citroën. This, this episode of Carmudgeon Show is not, not sponsored. It's not sponsored. It's unsponsored by Sixt. Uh, so that was dumb. Uh, and I have lots of angry eyebrow emoji emails to send to Sixth and to figure that out. Uh, so made it all the way from um, to to Malpensa to return the rental car without using the brakes at all. 
Because every time you use them, not every time, but they would stick on. Right. Uh, and so <laughs> I was like, okay, we're just going to do this without using brakes. So I would use that when coming up to a complete stop at toll plazas, I would use the handbrake. Mm. Uh, but other than that, it was a lot of planning in advance and going around the corners, going around unexpected corners, like at the limit. <laughs> um in an effort to not use the brakes. And then drove it all the way to Zurich, which is another three or four hours. Without touching the brakes. I used the brakes like three times between mm-hmm. Malpensa, this is the Milan airport, and Zurich. Um, <laughs> and then bring it to the shop. And the, the guy's wonderful. It's like 4.30 p.m. And he looks at it and he's like, yeah, I'll get going on this. And by 10 the next morning, he's like, yeah, I, I did this and this and this. And then, and then the brake appears to be this issue. So now we have to find... Enter Jason again, uh, a new master cylinder for the 190E. And so I was like, oh, there's one on eBay outside of Munich. That's not really on the way, but maybe they can oh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then you've like, I found one in Frankfurt. Now. Yeah, but we were in Frankfurt. And so I'm sitting having dinner with, or lunch with pizza with Straighten. And I'm like, hmm, let me look. And there was one that was 25 minutes away from us. So we message the guy, we text him, we call him, we WhatsApp at nothing. And so throughout lunch, we just keep calling and calling yeah, and calling. And we and call nothing. like 10 places and like Mercedes doesn't have them. And nobody has one in stock that even aftermarket. Uh, and then uh, again, and my friend Andy in Zurich found one at a junkyard that was like 20 minutes away. So he explains that we're on our way over to pick it up. It's now three o'clock, three thirty, and we have to leave the next morning for the rally. We have to meet right. you rally, that night. Let's make this very clear: the rally that you have planned has not so started. Yet. Has not yet even started. Correct. We're still on our way to rendezvous to start the rally. <laughs> Uh, so we bring over the new ma- the, the new old master cylinder from the junkyard using every last ounce of German that I have to explain what I'm there for and why. Because, of course, it's a junkyard that's like, you know, not a it's not a hotel in the center of Zurich. They're not gonna, they don't speak English in the same way. Uh, and so we get that, bring it over. And he's like, it's like three thirty or four o'clock. And then he's like, I got it done. It's now like five fifteen and we have to leave for dinner at five forty five. Uh, he gets it done and he's like, it seems to be OK. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> So you arrive at like midnight that night. Yeah. We all rendezvous at the hotel and we set out the next morning and then we're on our, like just drive down the hill and brakes are st- stuck the fuck stuck on. on. It's like a three or four kilometer long tunnel. And I'm like floored in fifth. And I'm like, why is it? Why am I floored in fifth going downhill? And I was like, ah, fuck. Put the clutch in and it's like the speedometer. Goes, and you're like, I shouldn't be doing that at 120 kilometers or 100 kilometers an hour. So I downshift into fourth and it's like floored and fourth and the car is still slowing down floored and fourth. And I'm trying to just maintain 100 kilometers an hour, 62 miles an hour, floored and fourth because the brakes are dragging. Just get out of the tunnel. There's no shoulders in the tunnel. Nowhere to pull over. Nowhere to and pull over. And there's only me behind you. Well, yes. plus the horrible 220i rental car was behind Which us. promptly <laughs> abandoned us <clears throat> yeah. uh, to figure it out. And so then I'm floored and mm-hmm. third and can maintain 70k floored and where the speed limit's 100 inside of this tunnel. Uh, and so we stopped and then we we're like, oh, the brakes are very stuck and there's like smoke coming off of them. Yeah, they, to their to Mercedes, Mercedes's credit, we were on the side of the road and they were not on fire. They were I not on fire. Genuinely thought when we pulled over. So that right as we came out of that uh, tunnel, there was a little like shoulder area to pull over. Not a lot of room between us and all the other cars flying by. And I thought for sure that car was charred. Like it, no question it was going to catch fire. Didn't. It did not catch on fire, but it was smoking from the brakes. Yeah. Uh, so we fixed it on the side of the road by dis- you to discovered that disconnecting. Well, th- here was my thought on this whole thing is if you have new calipers and new lines and there had been some fuckery installed by. And a, a new um, 
master cylinder and a new master new cylinder. old master cylinder and it was bypassing the abs pump there's kind of nothing so somebody bypassed the abs pump at some point during your early ownership um yes because for some fucking dumbass reason it didn't they believed that that was related to the brakes sticking right. on and it, that apparently there is something wrong with the abs pumps we need a new abs pump those are 75 dollars right not exactly new. so rather oh. than buying you a 70 knowing that you're going to put a couple thousand miles in the mountains rather than buying you a new ABS pump for $70 on eBay. They just bypassed it with the world's most ghetto rigging situation. However, my thought was, well, if everything else is new, the only thing that's left and is And we also the discovered that both calipers, front front calipers were sticking together, which means that the problem lies not in the caliper or the line. It lies before the split right. occurs. So it had to be, my thought process was it had to be the booster, right? The vacuum booster. So the car was stuck and we pulled the vacuum line off of it and we could hear the car going and just relaxed i'm like problem solved so i thought so you thought um we made it quite a while before the brakes did properly stick on again though i think right Right. and when they started to stick on again they weren't sticking on with the full force of a vacuum assisted system it was just dragging dragging where were we the next time that we found that it was sticking on it, it was, was like the next day gas station that we almost got thrown out of for cleaning the engine compartment so yeah so that's fully 24 hours later yeah. before the brakes stuck again stuck again to the point where you noticed yes meanwhile i'm in the e30 that's been gone through and everything is perfect and i get this thing i go to leave straightens and the first thing i notice is that my foot doesn't fit on the pedal because something is between the tranny tunnel and and the carpeting or the carpeting's bowed out and so i have to drive barefoot and so that automatically is like what's going on like some something's up and it's fucking with me because there's my foot barely fits between the brake pedal and the the wall this is not a m20b25 it's not a two and a half liter like all of our 325 hours are and it's a different fuel injection so the car feels the engine responds completely differently and I'm on the Autobahn on the way there and like I'm having a really hard time with this thing because when I say slow, I don't mean like it's really un it's unconscionably slow, dangerously slow, except on the Autobahn. So there I am at 200. So 200 kilometers an hour, which is 124 above, miles an hour above its published speed at speed. red line in fourth. Right. It was just in fourth. Ah! But then you go into f- fifth. It would maintain between 170 and 180, depending on. So it just gradually goes at like 4,000. Go down into fourth. It, monster. But 30 more kilometers. Yeah. An hour. Monster. I, so it's uh, got plenty of power. Eventually got it up to an indicated 207, a GPS verified 204, which is 127 miles an hour on a car that's t- published top speed is 196. So full 10 kilometers an hour, almost 10 kilometers an hour faster. So clearly it's making full power. But the gearing in this thing was redline in second was 100K. Redline in third is 165. So it's 100 miles an hour in third gear in a two liter car that mm-hmm. that also is running perfectly at full throttle, but not in mid throttle. So that fuel injection has a full throttle switch and you get to full throttle and boom, it would just wake up and go. But at like 80% throttle, it was hesitating. It wouldn't and wake up and go. Not with that gearing. Relative to what it did. Yes, it ran oh, right. ran better. At so you throttle. get a small misfire that, you know, I think is probably just a timing issue. Um, something minor, right? So the car runs perfectly. It just doesn't make any power. Um, and so you're like at 80, 80% throttle is making seven horsepower. And you cannot get to 4,000. wakes up at 4,500, 4,000 and it's over at six. 
Um, you have this tiny little window and you can't get there. There was never a fucking gear to get there. So every time I pulled out into traffic, I almost got hit from the side by a motorcycle or a Vespa or a pedestrian because the car just wouldn't fucking move. Uh, then it had no power steering. So, and he's got two or five from the factory, from the factory. And so, but it's got, he, it's got upgraded 15 inch wheels on it with the correct size. So the steering effort is so high. So now you're trying to pull out into traffic and make like a left across two lanes of traffic. Car won't fucking move. And this is his first E30. This is the first E30. So he has no idea that this is not how these cars are supposed to be. (laughs) Exactly. He's just like, oh, it's an old car and it's slow. slow." So I try to pull out in traffic. My foot can't fit between the brake pedal and the fucking thing. I thought for sure I was going to die in this. And then... The fuel pump starts screaming. But what I realized was he had, he had warned me. So straight notice this when he was driving. But if, if I and turn, he, you had a spare fuel pump with you. Right? He sent me with fuel hose. But he, this man is a friggin' saint. Gave me a toolkit, gave me a fuel hose, spare pump, a bunch of spare parts, oil, all kinds of other shit. But what I realized was if you turn the fuel pump, if the ignition off while moving momentarily, momentarily for more than a second, it would shut the pump the pump would be perfectly silent when it started back up, which For tells me some amount of time. Yeah. It would start to ramp back up and scream again, which tells me that it was probably sucking air because there is only one pump on this early system and it's external. So if there's any air leaking at all between the fuel and the then pump, air gets in the pump and then starts to cavitate and scream and overheat and whatever. So I'm like hysterical, like the whole time on the Autobahn getting to you guys, I'm like, it's 10 o'clock at night. It's dark. It's raining. It's fucking pouring. I, I brought Rain-X with me and snuck it into the country in a Visine bottle because I'm like, if Customs sees this, I'm fucked. Not realizing, of course, that Srayton had already put brand new wiper blades on it. I mean, he, he really did make this car perfect. But I'm like on the Autobahn by myself and I'm like, I'm going to die on the side of the road here. This fucking thing's going to break down. I can't press the gas pedal. What, you know? And then and you have incandescent light bulbs for your hazards, which should help a great deal in the right. rain so someone doesn't hit you. But I, you just start thinking about all the things that could go wrong. Like, how do I get this car back to him if it breaks? I'm now, I'm driving to Zurich. I'm going to be a couple hundred miles away. It's not like I have Haggerty Roadside like I do here. I just call and tow truck shows up and they just take it. I'm fine. So the panic is starting to build and build. And then I just re- keep remembering, shit, they've already broken down <laughs> 15 times. Mm, so <laughs> I think we were only at three or four at that point. Okay. But so it was still early. So we meet in Zurich. And we do the first day we do Zustenpass. Yes. Well, and Grimsel. Grimselpass, which was beautiful. I mean, so I get to I get to the hotel that first night and I remember saying to you, fuck this country, because I had gotten flashed by a speed camera doing 83 and an 80. And so I was like, I get to the hotel, I'm like, fuck this car, fuck this country, fuck, fuck, fuck everything. This trip. <laughs> I wake up the next morning and I'm like, unfuck this country because have you seen out the window? It was so beautiful. Yeah. Uh, wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Spectacular scenery. Yeah. And that's the key to Switzerland is you stay off the motorways. Once you get off the motorways, it's wonderful. But on the motorways with the 120K limit, it's just like, which is faster than the limit here, but nobody respects the limit here. A and B, the roads are perfect. Yeah. So you're driving, you could, you don't even know you're moving because the pavement's so perfectly smooth. Yes. Uh, yeah. We saw one instance of peeling paint on any infrastructure anywhere the entire time we were there. I mean, the infrastructure yeah. quality in Switzerland makes this country look like a third world country. Yeah. Makes America look like a third world Plus, country. Plus, we were at one point, we were in the middle of absolutely nowhere. And we're like, oh, let's find a restaurant in this tiny little town. And a friggin' train drives by, like a subway, like U-Bahn. I don't know, what, what would you call it? Like a metro train. Yeah. 
We're in the mountains. The closest town is like 100 miles away. And there's people like, yeah, hello, we go on the train now. Or like they, they have trains in the middle of nowhere. We don't yes. even have trains in our cities. I know, I know. Uh, Let alone just in East Nowhere. It's yeah. 100% true. That's so cool. Uh, and so, yeah, we did the, and then we did Grimsel Pass, and then we did uh, the Forca Pass mm-hmm. uh, with the famous hotel, the Belvedere, which is closed, but it, ha- it exists in a hairpin. And the, that, that's the hairpin that I got yelled at in, right? Yeah. So, yeah, remember, Straten had said, don't bring the car back until you get a video of drifting. Well, between the sort of low RPM, lack of power, the long gearing, and an open diff, and very grippy tires, get really good tires on it. That proved very difficult. But I tried, but it didn't work. You eventually did manage. We have plenty of one-wheel peel, at least. Well, we have one-wheel peel, but we never got real. I mean, in one no video lured, and another yeah. U-turn and, and another definitely legal closed course where there wasn't a small Renault hatchback in my way. Yeah. I did get some Fiat, whatever it was. Fiat Punto. <laughs> I almost puntoed it into yeah, the you next lane. Almost, yeah, punted it <laughs> off into uh, the next country. That was in Italy. It was fine. Uh, Furca Pass and the Oberalp Pass. Mm-hmm. And then the next day we had another mechanical with the Mercedes, of course, where we definitely didn't illegally wash the brake fluid that <laughs> you guys spilled all over the engine compartment off use in a place where it specifically said do not use to wash the engine. Well, I said that, but it was in German. So I remember when the guys came over to yell at us, I just was like, <laughs> and walked away, like pretending nothing. And they're screaming, you cannot do this. But of course, in Switzerland, they are like the most law abiding, perfect people in the world. And they're here. Here we are. We pull into this gas station, you and your shitbox Mercedes. Um, and gypsy car. Gy- I learned in Italy well, those are considered gypsy cars. Well, you learned, and, you, and, and it was proven, but we're not there yet. Um, <laughs> we go, my theory is like, okay, look, there's nothing left in the system. It's got to be something wrong with that booster, which is disconnected. So maybe it's hanging up. Maybe the rod that's attached to the pedal that goes through the booster and into the master cylinder isn't seated right and something's wrong. So let's pull the master, the brake master cylinder out, which of course means... In a parking lot. In a parking lot. Oh, it's but of a gas station. And my thought was, well, there were all of these mechanics there and they have tools and they have a lift. And if anything goes horribly wrong, we can be like, <laughs> we're going to leave this pile of shit in your, in your parking lot for the next six months unless you help us. So we open the brake lines and have a big discussion about whether inserting air into the lines is actually going to be helpful, right? Because that could help unstick the brakes. And we pull everything apart and sure as shit, there's nothing wrong, A. And B, there's no way to adjust the length of the pushrod because that was my other theory is that the pushrod was just too long, not allowing the pedal to go all the way back up and not ever allowing, as things got hot, uh, not allowing the brake system's pressure to be fully relieved. That proved to also not be the case but so, not before spilling brake fluid all over their parking lot it was just collateral damage but and somehow we put it all back together and the brakes worked fine despite as our, fine as they did before right without bleeding them so yeah putting air in didn't hurt yes uh so, so yeah. that was the mechanical of that day then we did the albula pass which is great and the stelvio pass stelvio pass is unbelievable so yes. Top Gear made this road seem like the one of the best driving roads in the world. And yes, but I warned you in advance yeah. that it's not a good it's, driving road. It's a terrible driving road. Yeah. And I love being able to, to dispel this myth because there are plenty of other great driving roads around there. Yeah, I think that a number of other passes that we did were much better driving roads, the including st- like all of them. The Stelvio Pass is a straight followed by a 160 degree hairpin followed by a straight another hairpin 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 and there's first gear hairpin first well certainly in the fucking bmw it was no it in was, any yeah. car was it much. 
Pretty much. I mean, it is a U-turn. That's it's true. It is a full lock it's U-turn. F- it's a full lock U-turn. Yeah. Um, and so, and the, the BMW, to this car's credit, never once got hot, never cared about anything other than the fuel pump screaming. Um, and I, uh, you had a bit of a U-joint noise. Well, there was a bunch of things that actually did go wrong, but we'll get to those. Um, <laughs> but the BMW did fine. The, we were coming up the backside. So the, the picture that everyone knows that we'll put an insert for is the is the front side, we'll call it's the it. the Italian side. The Italian side. We came up the Swiss side, mm-hmm. which was actually better to drive. And it, I was foot yes. to the floor for, what, a half an hour? Um, just <laughs> foot to the floor, you know, red line first, red line second to brakes, U-turn. I thought for sure... I, my arms are going to be sore from from all the turning without power steering. The car did amazingly well, but we get to the top and it was just the most beautiful view I've ever seen of a road. Yeah. It's just, it looked fake. Yeah, it's truly spectacular. So you go for the view, not really for the driving, because right. as a driving road, it's not that good. Because if there's oncoming traffic, everybody has to like unfuck everything and it's awkward and you're doing this in first gear and you have to basically check your blind spot before you make a turn in order to see whether it's clear after the turn. You really need a pa- you need a passenger. Yes. Like and you had said that, I thought you were kidding. But you, every time, when you were in the car with me, every time I approached the hairpin, you were looking out the back window yes. one way Over or my another shoulder. to see if a biker was coming down, a bicyclist, a motorcycle, a car. It's insane. Yeah, it's not a great driving road, but it's very picturesque. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it's hard on brakes on the way down. Yes, the BMW. Yes, they were fragrant. They were fragrant. It's got drums in the back. The early thirties had drums. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. The small motors. Yeah. Uh, what other? That's incidents? a big motor, by the way. That was the. I mean, yeah. you have three twenty i and and the three sixteen, three sixteen, three eighteen, three twenty, and I think at that point you might have. Yeah, you could get a three twenty three. Three twenty three. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. What else happened? So then we entered Italy. Uh, then it rained a great deal. Which meant which wiper I'll, surgery. In, in wiper a, surgery in a gas station on the Mercedes. The early non-articulating wiper mm-hmm. ones have a little auxiliary wiper like this big. So it has two wipers on the same single blade, which is kind of cute. But it was um, amazing that some random tiny itty bitty little gas station was like Olaf's tire service. Yes. In the middle of nowhere. Halfling Tankstelle. Had... A fucking Mercedes wiper blade in it. Yes. It fits the Sprinter also. The Sprint fits the 91 to 97 Sprinter or something like that. That was insane. And then, yeah, they have the thing where it's like this wiper blade, because it's the non-articulating wiper, only fits till December of 84 Mm -hmm. uh, production dates for 190Es. And so those were the two Mercedes fitments for that size, where the 190E up to to 1284, which I don't, I mean, I guess we did get them in the US that early. Uh, And then uh, the Sprinter, early Sprinters. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, so we did wiper surgery and then the rain also allowed us to identify the next failure point of the E30 because we pull over for a parking spot and I'm like, why is there, why are there rainbow spots on the ground uh, tracing the path that the E30 just took? So before, (laughs) before I left Frankfurt, when I first got there, jet lagged out of my ass, Srayton puts the car on a lift and we got kind of go through everything. There's a clunk in the steering wheel that we, we traced back to a U-joint in this, in the um, steering column. So we're like, okay, that's totally fine. There was basically nothing to do. And the underside of the car is beautiful and it was perfectly dry except for one spot which was the transmission output shaft seal and it was at best seeping right and so he was like oh i didn't notice this you know like he felt bad i'm like seriously dude you're giving me a fucking car to do whatever i want with like there's no feeling bad it's an old car it happens but he loves the things to be perfect and i said i'll just keep an eye on it don't worry about it so we pull over and there was a lot of oil on the ground i mean like Oh, I should say a lot of oil floating on the surface of a lot of water. And that was when my heart sank because we were in, 
I don't even know the hell we are. We were. We were in East Nowhere because we had missed the turn. We were in. Oh, that's right. Extra East Nowhere. We were on a road that wasn't actually a road. It was like a driveway that went on for thirty-five miles. Correct. And then the pavement stopped. <laughs> it was like unpaved, and we're like, this doesn't seem to be trending in the and right direction. And then there direction. was the, the the woman who just stared at us for twenty-five minutes. So yes. we're in front of this house taking pictures, which is where we noticed it was well, like. And then I'm like looking under the hood, and there's a woman with us, like maybe a two-year-old in her arm, and she just stayed a hundred. 50, 50 feet away from us and just stared like this the whole time and i'm like in the rain possessed? in the rain with no raincoat on and no like umbrella she just stared and i was like do i say hello or does she like like turn into a zombie and bite us she was fucking scary and so i'm like okay now what if this is leaking this much tranny fluid i'm not making it home like there's no way i'm making it back to germany yeah we are now in the dolomites we're now in italy <laughs> so we wound up slowly driving all the way into whatever that town was. I don't even know where the hell we were. And I backed it into a parking spot so, so we could go have lunch. And I note I noted on the way into the parking, parking spot that there were no oil spots and it was all wet. And I thought, okay, I'll let it sit and drip because you could see everything was covered in oil and we'll move it after lunch and move it over one spot and see exactly where that lines up. And as soon as we did, we saw it was not, thank God, transmission fluid. It was engine oil. Thank it, God. Thank God, because engine oil is easy to replace. All that kept going through my head at that that lunch. I don't How to put transmission fluid in? No, was that was that when Straighten and I were making the care package of tools, he handed me the seventeen mil hex socket to fill the transmission, and I'm like, I'm not going to need that. Don't be ridiculous. So then I kept thinking, How the fuck am I going to fill this transmission? Right? It's a pain in the ass. You got to get it on a lift. I have a couple tricks where you put the the squeeze bottle of like fluid into a tube route the tube up, up to the top to the fill or the side for the fill hole and squeeze it you lose about 20 percent, but at least i can fill this tranny because there's no way this is going to survive the 800 kilometers or whatever it would have been 500 miles to get back to germany so thank god it was oil because that you just pull the cap off and glug 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 but it's dripping out of the oil pressure center um, at an impressive rate drip 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 and this is with the engine not running so there's no pressure and it's dripping out about a drop every two seconds and I'm like, okay, so, and it, it wasn't like the sensor had come loose. This was the original sensor that looks probably been on the car for 38, whatever, 39 years. Um, and it just failed internally. And so I immediately text my friend, Bill, who's a E30 God. And I'm like, Hey, have you ever seen one of these things fully let go? Because if that thing lets go, then it's oil it's pressure just, under yeah. pressure and it's drain the sump in five minutes. Not um, even, especially if the engine's yeah, running. Yeah, true. If the engine's running, no. It's then you immediate. would immediately get an oil light. So at least E30 has an oil level light. And I thought, okay, I'll drive in and watch for an oil level light. And if that level light comes on, boom, I just shut it down and tow it. And we found, you guys went off in one direction. No, so in the course of doing that, I, uh, power slide lover. He, I, he's in Cortina and... Um, he was like, here's the shop I use in Cortina. It's a tire shop, of course, because okay, he so does power slides. Who's power slide? I mean, this was the thing. He's a guy on like, Instagram. Right. So you you message one of the guys from Easy Me, Fede from Easy Me, and he's like, hey, help. We're in the middle. We're here in the middle of nowhere. Heading to Cortina. Heading to Cortina. And Jason is hemorrhaging oil. Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh, so my friend power slide lover's favorite shop is De DeLuca. DeLuca's tire shop Gome. in in Cortina and it was I think I was about 45 minutes or an hour away mm -hmm. so you guys went off and did this mountain pass mm -hmm. and I went which you'll get to in a second and I go to the tire shop call and the guy was like see and I'm like hi do you speak English mm. like he just you could tell he couldn't bother and I'm like listen I'm a friend of a friend of 
power slide lever uh, and I need help. And he was like, oh, okay, come right in. It was like, like light switch at flip. Clearly this guy's a hero. Well, he power slides a lot and it's a tire shop. Yeah, so, so he keeps them in business, clearly. <laughs> so I somehow make it there. I fill, refill the oil and I'm like, you know, watching all of the lights like a hawk get there. And he's like, oh yeah, no, he puts it right on a lift. Super sweetheart of a guy. And it was like, okay, I think I might have one of these oil pressure centers floating around because they're just Bosch, normal, whatever. Meanwhile, I'm hysterically looking for like BMW parts stores, auto parts stores, anything just to make sure that whatever. So he comes back. He's like, mm, don't have one. I'm like, but you got a bolt, don't you? And he was like, oh yeah. So he just shoved a, found a bolt with the same thread, thread pattern and problem solved. Italian way to solve a problem, mask it. Tied well. up the... It's not leaking anymore. It did not leak. So I filled the oil and then you guys show up. Oh, yes. I I was at this point riding in the car because I had had a drink on the side of the road after this <laughs> occurred because I got stopped by the Carabinieri, which I have never done. I, I've, ne- I've never had an enforcement stop in Europe. And all the times that I've been driving around Europe, I've never been stopped there. And, they and don't stop doing? normally. They normally enforce speed through cameras. speed cameras, yeah. and so there's to have an interaction with the police there as a motorist is 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 much less typical than in the United States because it's not the primary enforcement mechanism. Right. So we were just driving by on the side of the road, and there was a, there were these two guys in the Carabinieri. It was a fucking jeep, whatever the shitbox, small shitbox jeep is. Compass. Is that what it is? It's or like or square. Renegade. It's very square. Yeah. I don't know. I wasn't there. I was busy leaking oil on. Into Lucas tires. Um, and uh, they, you know, were just standing there watching everybody drive by. And then they waved the stop wand at us. And so we pull over. Uh, and this car is not registered in my name because I'm not an Italian citizen. It's registered in a friend's name. Uh, but we had all the appropriate documentation, or so I thought. But it turns out, in all the years of going there, they're like, oh, you need an international driver's license to drive around in, in Europe. And I, I, the first couple times I did it, nobody ever asked me, including to rent a car. So I was just like, I stopped doing it when I went over. Anyway, this proved to be problematic because they were like, um, you don't have an international driver's license. And I was like, I didn't know I needed one, which was not. What did he say? You should do your, do your homework. Informativi uh, before coming next time. It's just the form. The, inform the, the, yourself. You, you must inform yourself. And you should go This, this whole exchange happened in Italian. I was like, can we do this in English? And he was like, no. You should have just told him you didn't speak Italian. Yes, but here was the problem: the friend whose car the na- whose whose car the registered. Hold on, I can speak English. I swear, your friend, in whose name the car in which is in person, whatever in his name the car is registered. See, I can speak English. When you said to him, "What do you think of it?" He said, "It's, it's a, a gypsy, gypsy car." car. <laughs> yes, the, and and gypsies and apparently there's lore also that gypsies run around stealing blue eyed children. Fortunately, I don't have blue eyes, but. The, the, so the you would therefore vibe, be the gypsy and not would, the yes, stolen. Yes, and they were probably me. wanting to look in the trunk to see if I had any stolen blue-eyed children in the trunk. But apparently old Mercedes tend to be owned by gypsies in uh, on the <laughs> continent of Europe. This is, I've heard this before, honestly, also. I've heard this coming out of the Netherlands uh, as well. Uh, so apparently Driving old Mercedes, Mercedes are, and you're in trouble. Yeah, it is a, a sketchy car. And that proved to be the case because when I crossed the border into Switzerland, they also stopped us and like interrogated us a fair bit also. Really? This was on the way of not using the brakes. So I pull up using the handbrake <laughs> um, to get so my in interrogation. Filthy. At this point, the car's Yeah, because it had been raining. It's been raining and, you know, all that other shit. And then it's got old license plates on it. So here's the car looks amazing. The car is really pretty. Yeah. But once it turned dirty, it suddenly it like a went, tire, and the the wheels are black because the brakes keep sticking on. It looked, yeah, you did look like you're up to no good. Yes, and I don't, uh, and the car is Italian plated and Italian registered, and I'm not Italian, 
Uh, so that was like 45 minutes maybe on the side of the road. Uh, With no probable cause because you don't need. Exactly. That was the other thing in the U.S. when they pull you over. I stopped you because X. They have to say that. Uh, and there, there's no reason. Your car looks sketchy, so you must stop. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they do that here. They're taillights. You got a taillight. I don't know if you yeah. don't have a taillight. Okay, at now. least have to make it up. Make yes, up exactly. Some lip service is, yeah. is paid to it. There are no such thing. They just see you driving and you look sketchy. It's a couple of brown people in, um, in an old plated Mercedes that looks like a gypsy car. And so they stopped us. <laughs> so that happened as well. So I had a shot of Jägermeister on the side of the road after <laughs> that. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to ride for the rest of the day instead of driving. So yeah, that all happened. Did we have any other incidents? Other well, than yeah. that, it was completely trouble free. Was it really? Because then we got to the hotel and the brakes. Oh, stopped. that's right. They were stuck after hauling ass down the hill yeah. from uh, Trecime. And then, so the car is on the side of the road and a Monza, an SP1, SP2 Monza drove by. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. That was SP2 insane. Driven, uh, owned by Powers Light Lover. Funny of enough. Course. Clearly he owns the whole town. And then, then the other funny thing was where it's in Cortina and five Lotus Cortinas drive by in a row. That yes. was insane. Yes. Cortina, um, Cortina in Cortina. Um, but I think at this oh, point... we had belts. We have periodic belt squeal moments as well. periodic belt squeal. Became not so periodic. Became an, an opera of <laughs> Italian at proportions the next morning where we heard... So this town was like... Cortina was probably the most beautiful town of all the places we stopped um, because it was right. It's like kind of nestled in the mountains and it had just finally stopped raining. And so the clouds were hovering over the mountains. This is all what I noticed while waiting at DeLuca tires for the oil, for the Valdez to stop. It was just absolutely stunning. And then so we get to the hotel and the next morning I'm like looking at the mountains and all echoing through the whole downtown. And there's this like system of one way roads. So to get from the one hotel to the other hotel, the hotel where where the car stayed overnight to where, where we were was only about. 150 200 feet except that you had to do like a two mile round trip yes. and all i heard was ah! <laughs> like squealing through the whole town and our uh, friends it's like a up. very ritzy town <laughs> and the, we're in a gypsy car and it's making all this unsavory ruckus and it is now saturday yeah it's now saturday it morning it was so fucking loud and it wasn't you know previously on a cold start that thing would start right up and then just do a big, nice, long squeal and then shut up. On a hot start, this is the other thing we haven't talked about with your car, every single time you tried to start it hot. Well, let's just play the video. Okay, so now imagine in, in this luxurious little, like, bougie Enclave. ski town. Yeah. You have that fucking squeal echoing through the mountains. And then so our friend comes over and he's like, what are we going to do? And I'm like, we'll just tighten it. No big deal. It's two bolts to tighten a Mercedes tensioner. Belt tensioner. Serpentine yeah. belt. Serpentine belt. If you have the right tools, which we didn't. So, or so you thought. Well, we, I mean, yeah, turned out we did after, after we it pulled It turns out that out. each of us had one. There was one in our car and there was one in your car. You're like, we don't have a fucking 17 because or whatever I, it was. it still hadn't fully occurred to me that Straighten is a god and had given me every yeah, fucking tool. so you tool had a 17 yeah. and we had a 17 yeah. as well. And so we get the tensioner loose and we just can't, it, it's going to break. Like something's wrong. Yeah, it's too tight. It's too, way too, like the bolt, the, the holding bolt is way too, the retaining bolt is way too tight. So we drive back over to DeLuca Tires and he's like, he sees me and I'm like, good morning, it's me again. And he was like, oh no, you know, this guy. And I'm like, no, 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 it's not me. It's them this time. Um, so he proceeds to tear into it. And this was kind of hilarious because he immediately tries to use the, so there's a, a retaining bolt. And then once you loosen that, then there's a sort of like a tightening 
arm that comes out and pushes the tensioner down to make tension. And he snapped it immediately. The whole thing just broke right off. And he's like, now you're fucked. And I'm like, no, we're not (laughs) because this thing has to make it another thousand kilometers minimum. So he, he, I don't know if you watched what he did. Yeah, yeah. You looked the other way. Where he put the pipe, the pipe, a piece of pipe between the intake the, manifold and the radiator yes. with a ratchet strap on it and just a toe rap, strap. Yeah, ratchet strap the the tensioner into it had as until it had as much tension on it as he could possibly get. Tighten it down and put on a, a new shorter belt. Well, oh, that's right, and a new shorter belt. Yeah, and off we went. Uh, and it would make noise only at startup mm-hmm. again, so it returned to its previous state, <laughs> but otherwise was operating. But at this point, quietly. the E30s belt started. So yeah. every, every time I blipped the throttle on that, it was... Yeah, so it was just a symphony a of symphony. belt squeal yeah. in all these expensive towns and all these people are in their RS4s and RS6s right. and Carrera 4Ss and we're in these the old The kid the next boxes. morning, so we got the next the next day we get to Garda and we're the, the hotel that you stayed at was just stunning. And so all these beautiful cars in the parking lot and this guy runs over with his two kids that are probably, I don't know, four and six. And the guy loses his shit over the 2316. He spoke perfect English. I don't know if he was American. Uh, he was. He was American. Just, oh my God, this is whatever, blah, blah, blah. And looks at the E30 and it's like, holy shit, little bumpers, gorgeous. Like the, the, the Straighten's E30 is genuinely beautiful. And so he's making this enormous fuss over how beautiful the cars are. <laughs> Meanwhile, I run into a lawyer that I used to work with who's, who lives in Austria who biked there with his wife 400 kilometers away and then makes fun of me for being fat. Um, and so we're all like hanging out and they're like, oh, is that the Mercedes in the parking lot that didn't start? And I'm like, no, that's not mine. That's his. So even they knew about the Mercedes that would crank it, crank it, crank it, crank it, crank it, crank it. Crank it. So finally, finally, everyone leaves and I'm like, we're getting in the car and we drive away and the kids and the dad are watching and the E30 starts right up and does like a little <laughs> belt squeal and that's it. And the fucking Mercedes shatters windows with its squeal for like seven miles in each direction. And I just saw the, the, the look of absolute horror on these kids face like they were like they must be like doing the math like old cars sound like <laughs> like dinosaur squealing it was hilarious like nobody ghettos up a beautiful five-star resort like we do yes that's 100 percent <laughs> factual and that's it other than that there were no problems really oh the brake stuck on another time the brake stuck on some more time you had no other issues uh no i mean you had no headlights Oh, that, we've, that, we've, yeah, we've, that. uh, the Swiss mechanic, uh, needed a new switch. Hmm. He made them so that they'd had headlights, right. which it did not previously. Right. So right. he did an Italian style fix. Right. There's also a large smoke contingent from both of the cars. Both of the cars burn enough oil and are uncatalyzed. But in different ways, but yes. You're the Mercedes. This was, this is so fucked up. The poor guys in the, in the convertible BMW with the top down were genuinely ill the whole time following us because under throttle the e30 smoked and off throttle the mercedes smoked so there was no situation in which you did not get up and down and up and down all these like we did some major climbs i mean they were were back nine thousand feet sometimes eight nine thousand feet probably ten times yeah and so the whole way up it's the the, bmw BMW is fuming them out and the whole way down the mercedes and the best thing was the longer the straight the more oil that you coasted down the more oil would build up in the intake of the mercedes and when you guys went for the gas after like a long half an hour descent holy shit it was a quite the clap. barbecue <laughs> it was so good so you guys had that the e30 gradually lost its clutch so that so we wound up cutting a day out because i started to freak out that like i have to get up monday morning and i have a 5 30 flight out of frankfurt and we were going to be in lake como and that was like an eight hour drive ish seven to eight 
if nothing went wrong. And I thought, all right, I'm going to have to get up at two in the morning because otherwise I'm going to drive this car right back to Frankfurt and be like, hey, Srayton, thanks for your car. It's filthy. Uh, can you drive me to the airport right and now? And all this Goodbye. stuff's broken. Yeah, and all this shit's broken. So we d- we drove straight through the day before all the way back to Frankfurt and grabbed a hotel at night. And thank God we did because um, the clutch was now on the floor and it picked up. Turns out, by the way, this is the original clutch on this car, 252,000 kilometers. And sure. so that's what that's what he was told. Who knows? It does chatter a little bit, but it kept feeling like it kept catching lower and lower and lower. And it got more of a bubble up top where the clutch did nothing. And to me, that was a bubble in the fluid. But I've seen E30s do that when the hydraulic, the slave cylinder gets to its full extension and there's no more adjustment left. So it never slipped on me. But I was like, if if this get, gets any worse, I'm not going to be able to drive the car. And sure as shit. I mean, the next morning when I went to go drive it from the hotel, my our last hotel to Straighten Shop, um, it was... I mean, I had to start the car with in, in gear with my foot on the floor. I couldn't get it into gear. <laughs> like, that's how bad the clutch was. So had we done another 100 kilometers, it would have been on the side of the road again. But we did... Oh, we... I did 1,407 miles. You did 44 more kilometers than I, I did. I did 2,308 kilometers. 2,308, and I did 22... I don't remember what it was. Whatever it was. A lot of miles in old cars that had both been sitting for over a decade. Yeah, and it showed. This is what we call siditis, right? What, so, Excuse me. <laughs> Do I need an antibiotic? <laughs> yes. Siditis happens when, you know, cars in motion tend to stay in motion. When they sit, a lot of systems just fail, and this is what we were dealing with was the hangover from long periods of disuse. Uh, and what we should have done is gone over to Europe once between May and this trip and just put you know, done two or three days of driving in the car to continue to work out the bugs. I should have been more explicit to the mechanic to say, use this car as a daily transportation device. Drive it at 160 or 170 or 200 kilometers an hour for a while and just exercise it and see what issues you get. Because Mm. what they did is they just, I think they waited. They were like, oh, it's going to be like two or three weeks of work. We'll start on it. You know, if you guys are coming in September, we'll start on it in August. And I should have said like, no, do all that stuff now, drive it, then do another round and do that two times. Uh, all or surface, I'll come over right? and do it myself because yeah. it takes a while for all the bugs to sort of work out. Mm. And so that's fundamentally what I was dealing with was the hangover from that. I think most people would never would never consider resurrecting a car from the grave and then going and putting 2,400 kilometers on it and not like easy kilometers. We were flying. And we up. did a lot of climbing and descending, right? Yeah. So you need the motor and powertrain and you need brakes. And we sat in traffic at one, one point for an hour and it was 80 something degrees outside. I mean, to, to Straighten's credit, that, that he did everything on the E30, everything possible to get that car ready. And it, and it still broke, but it broke in the mildest of ways. Right. Your car actually is a wonderful car. It was just, was just not fully resurrected from the dead yet. It's Correct. like getting up in yes. the morning, no coffee, and trying to do a math SAT test. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly that. And so the car has really good bones. I mean, it's structurally really nice. The paint's pretty nice. It's got a nice interior, Gorgeous. you know, wonderful dashboard. It will be... And, and a lot of systems in the car did not fail, to their credit also. I mean, the wow. cooling system, the gearbox, the clutch, the fueling system, and the fueling system was completely rehabilitated for this trip. Mm-hmm. And aside from hard starting and not idling well, uh, but at full power, it works well. I mean, I think it's got it's got really good bones. And so once we sort of work through the extensive list of things that the car needs, uh, which are all sort of like maintenance or age-related mm-hmm. rather than like bad car 
related, right. it's going to be a good car. And it's a lot. Of, and in the case of your car, it's a lot of bad mechanic work, right? I mean, I looked at the AC compressor is kind of 10 degrees off of, <laughs> off of it canted from where it's supposed to be. And somebody mm-hmm. just didn't do things the right way. Whereas I was really lucky that, you know, Srayton has this channel again, M539 restorations, um, watch his stuff. I mean, he's just so absolutely meticulous. Yeah. Um, he does it all. And I'm really glad he did because as you're driving around, you know, I, I think the final, the furthest point we were away was 800 kilometers or 500 miles. That was probably Cortina. Yeah. And I, I kept thinking what you start thinking, making mental lists of things that could go wrong. Like you know, the, the, there's this sort of normal stuff. Like you think, oh, well, the radiator could explode or maybe there's cooling hose. The radiator in that car's original, but he did all the hoses and whatever. So I could sort of calm myself down about this. He had plug wires, he did plugs, he did a timing belt, he did blah, 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 all this other stuff. And then you start thinking about what about wheel bearings? Like, mm-hmm. or in the case of your car, that vibration dampener, which is just a ring on the uh, effectively non-functional ring on a drive shaft that brought your car to its knees. That required a tow. Yes, it was just banging around everywhere, and you start listing to mentally listing all of the things. What happened if shift link, shift linkage breaks? Yeah, or like a little retaining clip breaks, and then the thing vibrates out. I mean, it starts getting you know scary. Yeah, and the E thirty over the course of the two thousand kilometers started vibrating, so it had a very very mild um, vibration between one hundred and one hundred twenty kilometers an hour. That was uh, was the drive shaft. Immediately, I know the sound. It's the drive shaft. You. Uh, you joint now he had done the guibo which is the flexible rubber coupling he did he did um the center bearing yeah so it had to it's just probably this u-joint that's wearing out well it got louder and louder and louder and louder and as i'm driving along listening to the <laughs> at those horrendous uh, swiss highway speeds um you start to think well what if that breaks mm-hmm. how do i get home Mm-hmm. So yeah, so not having like a full-on towing roadside network was was stressful. Really That's definitely stressful. probably one of the most important takeaways. Mm-hmm. The other being the go and do a shakedown before. On the other hand, look what we did. Like yeah, we, we made it. F- we flew to Europe and we did it. You know, but I didn't. It, it didn't feel like a vacation that, that no, much. That it didn't. Um, we, normally, when I do this trip in an Audi rental car, and you never think about the car, it's a very enjoyable experience. There was a number of times where we had to cut things out, or I couldn't do things that I was planning f- for us all to do, because we lost time with the cars. Yeah, we never, we didn't do any touristy things. Yeah. No, we never stopped and went like looking around. All we did was drive and fix and break down and drive and fix yeah. and break down. Yeah. yeah. So uh, too much. I think the driving days were slightly too long. Anyway, all the, all this is is learnings from our trip. But I mean, it makes a hell of a story. We're in sure. Yes, I mean, I mean, I think in the future I might want to do this with a rental car. No, 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 no. Hold on, that's the wrong answer. Because then it took that would take. First of all, it takes all the challenge and all the excitement out of it. Number one, number two, the speeds. I am so glad I took that E30 because for for all my bitching about how slow it is, it was the perfect speed for those Swiss roads. I never once was frustrated at like I wish we could go faster. That's not true. That's I wanted to kill that that motherfucker on the Peugeot. Um, But the you know, he was doing 14 on a mountain road kilometers, which, which is, you know, I wanted to scream. If you're going to go for a walk, do it on the fucking sidewalk. I was berserk. And I, of course, then didn't have enough power to pass him. Correct. Because we're at 8,000 feet. But, <laughs> exactly. And the, I mean, I, I did measure, I think we were only at 3,500 feet, 14 seconds to get from 25 to 100 kilometers an hour. I couldn't quite slow down. There was somebody behind me. It was actually the being in a car and I just didn't want to get on the radio and tell him what I was doing. It was genuinely, especially at elevation, like, dangerously slow but that was good if if i was in a modern car not listening to this 
beautiful noise of a six-cylinder screaming at 5,000 RPM going nowhere, the whole the whole thing would have just been boring. So we did the right thing. And Srayton has said, like, oh, you guys got to come back into this next year, and then we'll have all the cars ready. He's got an E21. He'll have an E30. He'll have E31. The 850i, I want that car. Um, and, you know, a couple M5s. And he's got an E28, I think. He's got, like, so many cars that we can just do a full BMW M539 restorations uh, rally around Europe. My God, I'm not ready yet. Yeah, but he, he'll be I need us. a vacation. I, I need a vacation after that vacation. Yeah, I need a nap from the jet lag and a vacation from the quote-unquote vacation. Yeah. Um, what a fun time, though. So thank you for putting that together. Yes. I planned all the route, picked all the hotels. Uh, it's an undertaking, but I always do that. Yeah. But, and um, at least now you have uh, all these repair bills to look forward to. I did drop the, drop the car off with a huge list of stuff that I noticed. <laughs> So mean. Uh, I'm so mean, but he's the nicest guy in the world. Who does that? Here, take my car and do whatever you want with it. Well, you've already offered him Beatrice for when he comes here. I'm gonna have to, yeah, but I'm gonna have to fix it. She's all broken from the last rally we did. Uh, I mean, the truth is, nothing really, nothing broke on his car. It was just little tiny observations of like, hey, this there's a little bit more wind noise from the passenger side, and I noticed the door isn't fully flushed. It's l- literally that level of shit. And there's one light uh, burnt out on the dashboard. He'd never driven the car at night. So here's the thing is he resurrected the car and drove it, I think, twice. That's it. Um, so, you know, he never did a shakedown, which makes it even all more, all the more impressive that my shakedown was well, a hell of a shakedown. Yeah, and it, it did so well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, fun times. The internet is an amazing place because, you know, we were able I to was, get help. My from ass your- was saved so many times by strangers. I mean, mm-hmm. between my Italian colleagues, uh, Premoli, which is the shop in Brescia, and then Auto Bianco, which is the shop in Switzerland, and my, my friend Andy, who has a dealer there, and then Power Slide Lover, saved and DeLuca, mm-hmm. t- tires, like... Mm-hmm. It was just like, I owe so many favors to people all over the continent. Plus, now. and straight, right? Yeah. And this stranger gives me his car and yeah. says, have at it, do whatever. What a, it's it's a pretty cool thing when the internet, you know, social media, we can all bitch about the, the drawbacks of that. But that. Yes. Finding I mean, like-minded people. But yeah, I mean, it's not for the, I wouldn't, I'm so glad that none of us had significant others. If any of us had brought like a significant other oh, along, there, there would have just been a mutiny. Yeah. And we're like, I'm going to sit on the, by the side of the lake and I'll see you when you finish, if you arrive. There was kind of a mutiny in the 220i. Those guys were done. Yeah. They want to. They were tired of off. our bullshit. Well, they were. that was always part of their plan, but they were tired of our old car bullshit. Well, on were, the fumes. Yes. Between the fumes and the breakdowns, they had had enough. This is why you can't have a modern car, because you become a softie. You mm. need to break down at least once a day, and we did. Yes. <laughs> the car needed more daily servicing. Yeah. The Mercedes needed something every Three hours morning. a day. Yeah. It was every day wound up being three hours that we devoted to. So, you know, the six hours of driving turned into nine, eight, yes. nine every day. Yeah. Great. Good times. We have lovely pictures from it. Always have memories. And I have a new friend. Yeah. So. Would you recommend this activity to a family member or friend? Yeah, I absolutely would. What I would car say enthusiasts. is bring your own car. I mean, yeah. that's the other thing is you and I drive the shit out of our old cars in ways that I think most people don't. So, although you've had breakdowns on local rallies also. Um, yeah, I had the suspension on the 964. Yeah. Stuff always can happen. But when it's your car and, you know, you've you've gone through it. Or a car that's just been driven regularly up until that point. That's... Regularly and hard. Right. And then we probably should have thrown in a couple days in the middle. Like, yes. you know, as first of all, as a buffer in case we didn't make it somewhere. And uh, 
and maybe not made the hotel reservations in advance. And that could have proven to be disastrous. But on the other hand, we were always in a rush to get there and that to get to wherever we had booked next. And that ultimately was a lot of pressure that stopped meant we couldn't stop and, you know, just hang out for a couple hours or say, you know what, let's stay here for a day because it's beautiful. Let's walk around this like unbelievable place. Walk yeah. up for a hike. We did nothing. Yeah. All we do is sit in the car and rush to the next, uh, Breakdown. And sit next to the car. Yeah, and sit yeah. next to the car, under under the car. All right. Good times. Highly recommended. Um, go to Europe and stress the shit out of yourself for a couple of days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. This has been episode 69 of the Carmudgeon Show. Brought to you by the Haggerty Podcast Network. See, look, I can say it. You are achieving full potential. It's because my brain is... All the cobwebs have been blown out from all the stress of breaking yes. down on the side of the road with you thousands of miles, miles away from, from home. home. Mm-hmm.